and welcome to another edition of Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom, and coming up on the show tonight, we're going to talk about something that kind of stems from a conversation I had. Well, I guess several conversations. Well, interactions, we'll call them, on uh, social media. And that's about the uh, recent gas prices, okay? And it's not going to be your typical conversation because if you follow the show, you should know by now that I, I do my prep, I do my research. It's not just opinions off the top of my head or what I hear in mainstream media or maybe on the headlines of the news uh, channels or the news websites. I actually dig into it and, and do do a lot of homework into uh, the topics that I talk about. And so we're going to talk about the, the gas prices. And then also recently there was an uh, article that talks about the COVID vaccines and their efficacy. Now, the FDA, they uh, wanted to hold off on releasing the, the data from the vaccines and their efficacy for 75 years. And uh, that was a red flag, obviously. And so they had to, by a judge's order, release them. And so we've got some information about the uh, vaccines. And we'll take a look back over the last couple of years and just kind of see where the data from that information released by the FDA compares to what you thought, what I thought, and we'll kind of see where we are. But let's first start out about these uh, gas prices. So everybody's up in arms about gas prices, which we should be because it's astronomical. California, $6 a gallon maybe, depending on where you're at. Some places in the more posh area of town might be pushing six fifty. Other places across the country might be at uh, three eighty nine, maybe three fifty nine, maybe four fifteen. And it keeps changing. I mean, it seems like every time I drive down the street, when I go from one gas station to the next and I pass by them, the price increases. I mean, it's unbelievable. I think prices have increased in my neighborhood 40%. No, not 40%, 40 cents, just like today. So it's pretty crazy. Of course, when you go online and you talk to people, well, You don't talk to people, you argue. So anyways, you go online and you see a post and then you try to put some comment on that post or that tweet or whatever it might be. And then you get blowback right away because we've gotten to the point in this country where we are so politically divided. Everybody wants to blame Trump and Biden can do no wrong, which obviously is an incorrect thought process. First of all, we got to get past Trump. He's gone. He's out of office. It's all on Biden and his administration now. That's what we're talking about. And again, if you know me, this isn't a political conversation. This is a conversation how we can, as Americans, get our country back on track and uh, work together and solve some of these problems. If you were with us last time, we were talking about liberty and how liberty, where we get our liberty, how we get our liberty, and what is promised to us in that liberty through the Constitution. We also discuss that government is of the people, by the people, for the people, and not the other way around. The nation has a government. Us citizens are governed by people that we vote into office. But the government has gotten to the point where they think that they are elitists and they know better. And they're trying to push policy on us all the time. And those policies affect us. And just because your guy's in office and he's failing, and a lot of people on social media, a lot of people in the polls show that a little bit of buyer's remorse perhaps 
Maybe this guy wasn't as up to the challenge as he was billed. You know, maybe some people thought mean tweets were a bad thing. And again, it's not a judgment on anybody. We're talking about the issues. And this is the issue that I have with you, the person, citizenry, okay? So a lot of people are dying on this hill that the president does not have any influence on gas prices. I see it time and time again, and people call me ignorant, they call me stupid, they call me foolish. But every time I see somebody make a comment where the president has no influence over gas prices, I think to myself, that is pretty ignorant for you to say because you don't know. The president, his administration, and policies do absolutely, in fact, have influence, sway over the markets, which are gas prices, which are inflation, which are the cost of goods and services in this country and around the world, mind you. So we're going to talk about that first, the gas prices, okay? So a lot of people, so I had this conversation earlier on social media, Facebook, it's actually a good one, where somebody posted, because pictures now, right, pictures of the pump, pictures of high gas prices are um, being displayed on social media everywhere. And I find it funny because I like to, those those stickers, remember those stickers? I don't know if you've seen them with Biden pointing up in the air kind of at an angle. And then it says, I did that. And people are putting them on the gas pumps. And so uh, every once in a while, when I see a, a post like that, I like to say Biden voters did that and just kind of see what kind of response I would get. Some might call it trolling. Some might call it stirring the pot. But I like to think of it as who is really serious about the conversation and who is just completely removed, dead in their politics, blinded by their ideology, and that's just it, okay? So I did that on one post just to see, and of course, I've got the typical comments. You know, the president doesn't have any influence over gasoline prices, and, you know, we can't control the gas prices, but you can control your ignorant comments, you know, and all that stuff. And of course, then I just respond, you have a, an MBA in economics, and of course, then there's no response because I'm not trying to inflate the conversation. And so one lady responded with a conversation. And actually, it started out where she, was resp- she posted her picture. And then she responded to a comment about those pictures. Now, I guess this gal was a, uh, a Biden supporter. And now she realizes that he wasn't as billed. Okay? He wasn't as promised. He can't do the things that he promised he could do. His administration, whatever you want to do, you want to call it handcuffed by the socialists in the party or other things around the world, but his, par- his party cannot and his administration cannot do what he promised, okay? And we're going to get to all that, and I've got some information that I want to share with you from some people that know a little bit more about all this than you and I. And so we're talking about gas prices, okay? So this conversation goes back and forth. And so I finally put on there, and again, she was a Biden supporter, and then she realized she wasn't getting what she voted for, and now she's come to terms with that, and she's no longer in favor of his administration and what they're doing as far as the gas prices. That's okay. It's okay to question, but people want to die on that political hill, okay? So Biden is failing at gas prices, at inflation. We all know that his administration, the buck stops with him. He's the president. He's supposed to be the most powerful man in the world, right? The presidency, the White House, the most powerful man in the world is supposed to reside there. 
and yet we can't criticize him because people take offense to that. But what about all those things that go on that you blame the previous administration for? You see, you become hypocritical now. First of all, Trump's at fault because of all the policies that he did. That's why gas prices are higher, but yet the president has nothing to do with it. So again, the hypocrisy stands. But as we're having this conversation, I finally said, hey, you know what? It doesn't matter. Why is it that if someone questions something this administration is doing, why are you automatically dubbed a Trump supporter and shot down? Why can't we be a concerned citizen not liking what we see from our government, not liking what we see the direction our country is going, and raise questions about that? That's our absolute right. We talked about that in our previous podcast about our liberties. We have the right to question government. But when people start buying into what was fake news that became misinformation, which equals lies that are being spread on social media, and they die on those lies, what do you expect? Ignorant people out there thinking they know it all. So first of all, if you want to go back a little bit to 2016, maybe 2020, 2019, Everybody was a political science major. Everybody knew everything about politics. Remember, you posted something, whether it was uh, Trump and Hillary or whether it was Trump and Biden. Everybody was a uh, political science major. Everybody knew everything about politics as if they were the founding fathers themselves. And then when COVID hit, everybody had a PhD and an MD, a PhD in research about vaccines and an MD and how medicines work. And then all of a sudden now, Everybody's an economics professor. Everybody knows everything about gas prices and the economy of the world. It's pretty crazy. I spent some extra time watching uh, or scrolling through Twitter. I had an unexpected three-day weekend. And so I was scrolling through Twitter. I never really spend much time on Twitter. It's a wasteland of uh, misinformation and so forth. There's a lot of people posting a lot of just stupid stuff. But there's a, a couple things that I find little nuggets here and there, which is something that we're going to get to a little bit later in the show about the vaccines. But as I'm scrolling through, I'm starting to see all this misinformation. You know, people putting their pictures of gas prices and everybody having their two cents about it. So I thought that's what we could talk about. So what exactly affects gas prices? Okay, all of a sudden, people are saying that, well, It's the gas stations and the oil companies and their greed. They're just marking up prices. Is that true? Well, what about other things that go on? Obviously, people like to say supply and demand, and we get pretty close when it comes to supply and demand. I mean, that's the basis for it. If you have a supply and the demand is higher than the supply, costs rise. If you have a supply and the demand is less, costs go down. That's pretty simple. Okay, But what affects that supply and demand? So let's take a look at what affects gas prices. Gasoline is a commodity that most of us use every day. But ask the average person on the street what goes into the price per gallon, and you'll likely get a confused look. There are many misconceptions to this question, too. Some people think that large oil companies and local gas station owners raise prices just to make a quick buck or that gas prices are solely controlled by the monopoly power of the Middle East, which supplies mass quantities of oil to countries around the world. And you've probably heard news reports about stock traders, often referred to as speculators, bidding the price of oil up, resulting in higher fuel costs for you and I. Today we're going to clear up these falsehoods, 
with gas prices set to rise even more, it's important to know the facts about what you're really paying for. Here's the breakdown. According to the Energy Information Administration, 11% of the cost per gallon goes to taxes. This includes federal, state, and depending on where you live, sales tax. Distribution and marketing makes up for 5% of the total cost per gallon. This is the cost of building pipelines, transporting gas and oil, and also advertising. Refining makes up 12% of the cost. This is the process of turning the crude black goo that is oil into the gasoline you pump into your car. Out of one barrel of oil, about 45% becomes the stuff you pump into your gas tank, depending on the quality of oil and what's usable. The rest of that barrel gets transformed into a multitude of different hydrocarbon-based fluids and chemicals. Another thing to note is that in North America, refiners process blends of gasoline that have to meet clean air policies. These blends are specific and limited to certain regions. For example, you can't sell Chicago gasoline in Philadelphia or Seattle gasoline in Los Angeles. Another interesting fact about refining that most people don't know is that large oil companies like Exxon, Chevron, and BP often buy crude oil on the open market to supply their own refineries for logistical reasons. Even so, when you think of big oil manipulating prices of fuel, remember that they have to buy their oil on the open market just like everyone else. This brings us to the most important factor in determining gas price, the price of crude oil. Crude oil accounts for 72% of the cost your local gas station charges. The first thing to realize is that oil is a product traded in a world market. Here are the world's top oil consumers. It's simple supply and demand. With everyone bidding on the same barrels of oil, prices steadily rise. So even though the US's demand for oil may decrease, China and India's demand may increase, thus raising the price that everyone has to pay for it. Okay, so you have it as the cost of gasoline. Taxes are 11%. Federal, state, and local taxes. If you're in Los Angeles, you're paying almost a dollar per gallon of gas in taxes. Look at the sticker, not the Joe Biden, I did that sticker, but the tax sticker. That's on the pump. It'll tell you. It's probably, well, last time I checked, it was about 50%, I think, in uh, state and local, or maybe 60% in state and local. I mean, state and federal, and then local kind of added up the rest of it. But you're paying about a dollar per gallon of gas in L.A. if you reside there. And so your local taxes, your federal taxes, and your state taxes are going to contribute to the cost. Obviously, 5% distribution and marketing, you have to get the product to market. So you've got pipelines, you've got tanker trucks, you've got, if it's coming from overseas, you've got, you know, tanker ships that bring it. Uh, Refining, you have to refine the stuff, the crude oil, that black goo, and make it something that will fit in your car and drive. And then, of course, 72% of the cost of crude oil, which last time I checked, I think was 120 bucks a barrel. And then out of each barrel, you only get 45% of that as what goes into your vehicle, okay? And then you got to add on to that the policies, like they mentioned, clean air policies. So if you have a refinery in Chicago, you can't sell it to other places around the country because of clean air policies. And California has some of the strictest 
clean air policies around. In fact, I think there's some refineries in California that are still not manufacturing oil or refining oil, or they might not be at 100% capacity. And so when you have those type of things, refining uh, issues, that's going to drive up costs because supply is down. And then you have, I guess, other things that petroleum is used for. So when you look at it, you're really looking at the cost has nothing to do with gas station owners. Yeah, they probably mark it up a little bit. They need a profit. But I'm pretty sure, remember back in the days of CDs, you'd walk into the music store, rows and rows of CDs. One time I wanted to be a a CD seller. I was all about getting my uh, distribution license, and I checked into it, and I checked with three or four different uh, companies. And it turned out that selling CDs was a mass production job. You had to sell many CDs because the profit margin was very slim on selling CDs. Cars, if you sell a Lamborghini, if you sell one a year, you're doing fine. If you're selling Pintos, you probably have to sell 100, maybe 200 to equal that one Lamborghini. I'm pretty sure gas is that way. The more you sell, the more you make, obviously, but those profit margins, I'm sure, are pretty slim. Because, again, you're being competitive. Remember, if you're on this corner selling it for 4 bucks a gallon and someone over there is selling it for three ninety-five, chances are the person over there selling three ninety-five might get more business. Depends on how crowded the gas station is and stuff like that, I'm sure. But, again, you do have a market out there that are competing for your business. And so people aren't just going to automatically increase. Now, some places in L.A., in the more – uh, profitable parts of town, the more posh and luxurious parts of town. Yeah, you might pay more, but they can afford it. In the uh, other areas of town, it's going to be less. If you're in Los Angeles, check the price of gas across, I think it's the Exxon or maybe Chevron station across from um, the Union uh, Union Station, the train station. That's always been the highest gas station around. It's across from Alvera Street. Check it out. Let me know. So that's what affects gas prices, okay? And then you've got the world market. You've got everybody competing. So who produces oil? Well, you've got the Middle East, which consists of Saudi Arabia. Uh, I guess you've got Iran. I guess you've got Iraq, maybe Kuwait, kind of the United Arab Emirate, you know, uh, Venezuela, plus the United States. So you've got several countries that can produce oil. We haven't purchased oil from Venezuela in a long, long time due to sanctions. Supposedly, I read from CBS News, we get 5% of our oil from Russia, although as of this broadcast, the Biden administration has now banned all imports of oil, but I'm sure it's going to change from minute by minute. I could be changing why I talk. And so, again, where do we get it? Now, all of a sudden, the Biden administration is talking about uh, making deals with Venezuela, a company we haven't, or a country we haven't gotten oil from in a long time due to sanctions because of the dictatorship. Now we're going to do that. Um, We're looking at more oil from Saudi Arabia, from Iran. Why are we looking at these places that are deemed our enemies for more oil when we have sufficient amount here in North America, especially in the United States? And then again, everybody has to bid on the open market, the world market, so it's about supply and demand. Okay, so where does the president fit in on this? All right, so why do gas prices rise? Let's start there. Okay, so we know what affects 
the gas prices. Okay, what affects the gas prices are taxes, 11%, distribution and marketing, 5%, refining, 12%, and then the cost of crude oil, 72%, which is a buck twenty. And yes, there's a little bit of speculation in there. You know, much like anything else on the stock market, the price of oil fluctuates depending on, you know, what's going on in the world. But why do gas prices rise? Last time gas prices were this high, I believe it was 2009, Obama was in office. Okay, so I've got a clip that's about 10 years old that I want to play because it's now been 10 years actually more, you know, what, 12, 13 years, but about 10 years since the oil increase and the gas prices went up under the Obama administration and Biden was vice president. And so I've got this clip. Let's listen to it. Let's see what Obama's response was, how he was combating high gas prices. And let's look to see where we are today with this current administration. And have we made any progress? So why do gas prices rise? As gas prices continue to climb, Americans are demanding solutions, but hearing none from Washington. So let's cut through the spin and get to the truth. In recent months, President Obama has used turmoil in the Middle East to explain away higher gas prices. Uh, What's also true is the disruptions in the Middle East, uh, uh, particularly in Libya, ended up having some impact. But in reality, Gas prices have been rising for the past two years, more than doubling since he took office. The president has also continued his push for green energy policies as a way to combat higher gas prices. The truth is the only real solution to helping families at the pump in the medium and the long term is clean energy. But the president's alternative energy programs won't do much to ease gas prices. Even with massive government subsidies, renewable energy still only supplies 8% of our energy needs. President Obama has also claimed that he is encouraging drilling here at home. To keep reducing that reliance on imports, my administration is encouraging offshore oil exploration and production. But the president's record doesn't match his rhetoric. He has issued 43% less drilling leases per year than the Bush administration, has outright canceled dozens of leases, and his drilling moratorium cost an estimated 19,000 jobs. By the Obama administration's own admission, U.S. crude oil production will decline over the next two years as a result of their actions. The president has also suggested that there just isn't that much he can do to tackle the problem of higher gas prices. I'm just going to be honest with you. There's not much we can do next week or two weeks from now. In fact, there is plenty the president can do immediately. Expand domestic oil production, repeal new job-killing regulations, and end the de facto drilling moratorium. All right, so again, that was 10 years ago. That clip was made. Obviously, Obama was in office as the president. But back then... He said that disruptions in the Middle East, disruptions in the Middle East, such as Libya, was causing gas prices. Well, today, in this day and age, this is one of the reasons why the Biden administration is claiming gas prices are going up. The president's message is that he is going to do everything we can, everything he can, 
to reduce the impact on the American people, including uh, the price of gas at the tank. What is also true is that because of the actions of President Putin, because he invaded a sovereign country, that created instability in the markets. That is something the President talked about even before uh, Russia and President Putin moved forward with their actions. Uh, but we have already taken steps. The President has already taken steps. Historic release from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, one that's done in a coordinated fashion. And clearly, we will continue to have conversations with large oil producers and suppliers around the world about how to mitigate the impact and, and consider domestic options as well. So, Jen Psaki there says that today, Russia, their invasion of Ukraine is the reason why gas prices are going up. So 10 years ago, it was disruption in the Middle East, and today it is Russia invasion of Ukraine. Now, Obama also said green energy is a solution. It's been, what, 10, 12 years? Do we have any green energy? Any sustainable? Any renewable energy? Have we gone anywhere in those 10, 12 years? I don't think so, because a couple years ago, the so-called squad of the Democratic Party is pushing a green New Deal. And, uh, of course, places like California are pushing electric vehicles. I think they passed a law saying by 2030 or something like that, or maybe 2040, you have to have an electric vehicle if you reside in the state of California. Okay. Uh, But today, what's Pete Buttigieg recommending as far as helping lower the cost of high gas prices? Clean transportation can bring significant cost savings for the American people as well. Last month, we announced a $5 billion investment to build out a nationwide electric vehicle charging network so the people from rural to suburban to urban communities can all benefit from the gas savings of driving an EV. So his solution to these high gas prices is everybody go out and get an electric vehicle. Green energy is the solution. That was the solution 10 years ago. Electric vehicles are the solution today. So again, apparently green energy is the way to go. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, Ten years ago, in the clip we played, encouraging at-home production. Today, we're not doing that. Today, we're seeking oil from Venezuela, Saudi Arabia, and Iran. And again, two of the three are our enemies wanting to do away with us, and yet we want to give them money. So we stopped giving uh, money to Russia because we banned their oil because they invaded the Ukraine. Iran wants to nuke us off the face of the earth, so we're going to give them a a nuclear deal that allows them to enrich uranium and billions of dollars in assets, and they're going to give us oil. And then Venezuela, another dictatorship that wants to do away with uh, America, we're going to give them money and oil. Not sure how well that's going to work out, but I'll let you decide. Obama said we really can't do anything. Biden, at least they're saying they're trying to do stuff. But again, they shut down the the Keystone Pipeline. And remember, when you go back to what's the cost, 5% is distribution and marketing. Distribution includes pipelines, trucks. Well, a trucker convoy is in D.C. And we've got pipelines not being utilized. Uh, I I think Biden, much like Obama, shut down leases, although I think he was sued and he had to kind of open up some of those leases again 
because it was a violation of the law by him, executive order. And uh, that happened on his first day. So again, not much has changed because green energy isn't around. Sure, more people are driving cars, but it's more in the city, rural areas. If you go to rural areas, where are you going to charge? You know, Biden recently said that you can go across the uh, United States in your electric vehicle on one tank of gas, but you can't. I'll get to that in a minute. So here we go. So how does the president affect gas prices? Okay, this is from Jack Hellner at theamericanthinker.com. So on Biden's first day of president, as president in his presidency, he blocked a pipeline, which apparently sent a message that one of his main goals was to destroy the fossil fuel industry. Okay, so that sent a message to OPEC, Russia, and oil traders that the U.S. would not be a major competitor And that sent prices soaring on the first day. OPEC and Russia, of course, liked that because they became richer, more powerful. And it also made them more dangerous because Biden and the other Democratic policies that they were creating, plus journalists, they supported this fact that fossil fuel was bad. Okay? And so that's one way. The last time gas prices hit $4 per gallon and crude was over $1.30 a barrel, those energy prices contributed greatly to the economic collapse. Goldman Sachs is predicting that oil could go over $200 a barrel. This was printed today. Okay. So the, the policies. So, yeah, policies. Look at policies, okay? If you want to go president, if you want to go governor, okay, gas prices are high because we shut down a pipeline. Okay, gas prices are high because we stopped domestic production. And now we have to go on the open market where 72% of the oil or the cost of crude oil makes up the cost of gas. And so we have to compete on an open market, a bidding war. If we produce more domestic oil, we could either sell that and make money or we just have more domestic oil for ourselves, but we cut that down. So policies do affect gas prices. So people that sit there on social media and say the president has nothing to do with gas prices. Oh, yes, he does. Doesn't matter which president. You can go back to Jimmy Carter of the 1970s, or you can go to uh, Obama or Biden or any number of places. You've got gas prices going up because of these policies. Europe, they're solely dependent primarily on Russian oil. What are they going to do now? Are they going to ban Russian imports of oil? How would they get their energy? That's the danger of outsourcing things is that you start to rely on other countries. I mean, we we outsource a lot of stuff to China. What's going to happen when China makes their move? All right? So, yeah, policies from a president, any president, it doesn't matter who, and the ramifications of those policies can affect and will affect directly gas prices. And so people that sit there and say the president doesn't affect gas prices, you have no idea what you're talking about. All right, so electric vehicles. And we could go on and on, but that's just a synopsis of things. Do your own research. Find out for yourself. Get off Twitter. Don't listen to mainstream media. And do your own research beyond the news and find out for yourself. Take an economics class or two if you need to. So gas prices, okay? So administration policies do affect gas prices. Supply and demand, if you turn off U.S. supply, If you have no infrastructure, there's a lot of places. Oh, talking about governors in California, they talked about in that video clip earlier how you can't sell Seattle refined oil and gas to the California because of 
policies, clean air policies in California. So again, you're limiting where you can distribute once the refinery has done its job. You're limited as to where you can send that uh, gas. So we're looking to Saudi Arabia, Venezuela, Iran, asking our enemies for gas, giving them money, removing sanctions. Harris and Budichick talking about electric vehicles. That's going to help us reduce costs. Going back to that green energy. Okay. I don't know what kind of car you drive, but mine's a 2018. Okay. 2018 Kia. I don't mind saying that. Okay. Part of the reason why I bought the car was cost. And of course, then other things were uh, consideration as well. So let's just take a look at an electric vehicle and the cost of an electric vehicle. Are you ready? So again, do your own research. You can look it up. And of course, things are going to vary. Don't sit there and say, oh, I found one online for cheaper. Yeah, I'm sure you can find things online for cheaper. I'm taking just kind of an average, okay? An average price of what I saw online from different sources like CarMax, Carvana, and some other places. So don't send me messages and say, oh, I found this car cheaper. Well, you might do it. Absolutely. Okay, so a Prius. A 2012 Prius, the average that I found was about $11,000 on the low end for a 2012. For a 2015, it was about $14,500. For a 2018 Toyota Prius was $22,500. Now, I did find a 2010 Prius for $4,100 with 225,000 miles. So that gives you an idea of what a Prius would be. Not a new one. These were used, obviously. I used 2018 because that's the, the year my car was made that I drive, which is, what, now four years old, and uh, went from there. How about a Ford Focus EV? Ford Focus EV. A 2012 is about $39,000. A 2015 and a 2018, about $29,000. A Nissan Leaf, a 2012 is about thirty five. A 2015 and a 2018 I saw for about 29 on the average. A Kia Soul EV could trade my car in. Get a 2015 so I can get a three-year-old car and pay 33000 Or I can get a 2018, pay 32000 A Chevy Bolt for 2018 was 20000 How about a Tesla? A Tesla Model 3, I believe it was, 35000 not sure what I would choose, but I looked at Teslas one time just for kicks and giggles, and they're actually pretty cool. But, again, there's a lot of issues to electric vehicles why I wouldn't get one. I did find a Hyundai Elantra 2018 for 16000 And, again, that Tesla was a 2018, by the way, Model 3. So there you've got kind of a, a variation of costs on these electric vehicles. Now, I don't know about you, but a lot of people during the pandemic – the government locked us down. A lot of people lost jobs, relied on the uh, income coming in from the government to sustain us, whether it be um, unemployment or pandemic relief or whatever it was. So I'm not sure a lot of people are in a position to go out and buy an expensive car that's, you know, I guess at the lowest end, 16000 unless you want a really old Prius. But what about car insurance on these electric vehicles? How much do you pay a year? Car insurance is about 1700 a year. How far does a car go? Well, the longest range I could find was a 2021 Tesla. It's about $80,000. It 
It goes 412 miles on a single charge. Most cars average about, I think I, I think I averaged it at about, you know, um, 250 miles per charge, give or take, because, again, there's all kinds of different, you know, models, but on the average. But a 2021 Tesla Model 3 car, which is about $38,000, goes about 353 miles. Now, it does take 37 minutes to charge a Tesla Model 3. So as I roll into the gas station, maybe 5, 10 minutes, pump my gas, grab my snacks, and I'm hitting the road, you're hunkering down. I was in uh, Portland, Oregon a number of years ago, and I was, that's when I was looking at the Tesla with a friend of mine. And uh, we were talking with a lady. And apparently she lived in uh, Seattle. And she, was, she would come down periodically to work the Portland Tesla store because back then Tesla stores were very limited. There's one in Seattle, one in Portland, one in L.A. I actually knew where the one in L.A. was. It was at the Americana in Glendale. Not sure if it's still there. But, um, and so we went to the Portland one. She was telling me that you know, she would go from Seattle to Portland. Not sure the distance, but she did have to stop for, uh, not gas, but to charge up. And so she would just plan it where she would stop for lunch or breakfast and spend her 37, 40 minutes, whatever it was at the time, and fuel up and then travel on. And so we talked with her extensively, and I'm thinking, man, how inconvenient. Every time I run out of charge, I have to spend 37 minutes somewhere and hoping that the charging station is somewhere that's convenient. There are about 3,700 charging stations in L.A., a battery can last about 360,000 miles, so a replacement cost to a battery can be quite expensive. I think anywhere between like three to $7,000, I read. And a charging unit for your house is about $1,200. So if you bought one, you'd have to buy the price of the car, plus the insurance, plus the charging station at your house. So it can add up. So again, when you look at green energy as a solution, it didn't work back when Obama a lot of his green energy attempts failed. Would an electric vehicle be beneficial? And what about California? How many times in California do you have rolling blackouts? I remember 2020, August of 2020, it was 120 degrees, do you remember? And what happened? They turned off the power. A lot of people sweltering to death because they infrastructure can't handle it. So what are you going to do when your infrastructure shuts down? And you're in a blackout, you can't charge your car. Now what are you going to do? What about, remember, I think it was in Virginia, outside D.C., when those people got stranded on that stretch of highway for hours upon hours, and some of them kept warm because they had gas and they were able to keep their car going and keep the heat on? What if your car died? And then people were actually bringing them fuel, gasoline to put in their car to keep the motor running, to keep the heat on? You can't just haul out a charging station in an emergency like that. So how well does that work in a uh, cold weather situation? So as you start to think about these things, it makes you wonder if politicians that are in metropolitan areas, if they think about these things. I don't know. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. One more clip I'd like to place from uh, Steve Forbes talking about the price of gas. And I like this clip because he basically just kind of sums up and reiterates everything we've been talking about. And it was the last clip I found. I had everything put together for the show. And I thought, you know what? Let me just peruse one last time. And I thought, oh, Steve Forbes, economic guy. Let's find out what he has to say. And I thought this was pretty interesting on his take. And there is one comment he makes that just nails home something for me 
Let's see if you pick it up, and uh, I'll let you know what it is right after the clip. The conspiracy is afoot, they warn, by gasoline franchises to boost prices at the pump. Oil and gas producers are profiteering at the expense of drivers. The administration could soon be lashing out at business leaders at why the cost of living is getting more expensive. But the big culprit here is the White House, which has waged war against fossil fuel companies from the start when it canceled the XL Keystone pipeline and is now threatening other pipelines. Selling leases to drill was halted on federal lands and waters. Output of oil was over 13 million barrels a day when President Biden took office and was headed to 15 million. Now it's around 11 million. This at a time when demand for energy was moving up as the economy was recovering from pandemic lockdowns. Guess what? When demand goes up and supply goes down, prices rise. So then we have the president once more begging Saudi Arabia and Russia to boost their output of oil. Now, why is a barrel of oil from Putin's Russia less harmful to the climate than one extracted from Texas? If the White House was serious in tackling gas and heating costs, President Biden could call off forever his ill-conceived war against fossil fuels, which would sharply increase domestic production of oil and gas. Greatest line ever. How does a barrel of oil from Russia or any other place How is that better for the environment than one from America, a domestic barrel of oil? If we're seeking other places for oil, why don't we just drill it ourselves? Because we are beholding to environmentalists, things like the Sierra Club and others. We can't drill because environmentalists don't want to ruin the environment. Now, we do have to have responsibility to preserve the environment and everything, and make sure that everything we do is careful. We don't want to destroy the earth. We're stewards of it. We're supposed to watch over it and protect it, but we also need it. And see, there's a lot of people out there that don't realize that. A lot of people out there think that, you know, we shouldn't eat meat because it destroys animals, that we shouldn't drill because it affects the environment, that fossil fuels. Well, you know what? That's all very true, but there's also more to this global market than America. It's like a smoking section on an airplane. Do you think when they, in the old days, when they closed the curtain, the smoke stopped or did it go over into the non-smoking section? Or remember the days of smoking in a restaurant, the smoking and non-smoking? Do you think the smoke stopped at the border of the non-smoking section? No, it flow through. The point is, is that other countries aren't following this stuff. So we can be responsible, but we don't have to take on the entire globe We can be responsible for our end and make sure that we have the resources that we need to live and have those rights that were granted to us by the Constitution, the rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, as well as take care of the environment. We can do both. Have you ever seen a lithium mine? When they mine for lithium for these car batteries, for the electric car batteries, look it up. Compare that to an oil derrick and see what the difference is, and you'll find out. So, yeah, presidential policies matter, as Steve Forbes says, because you've got canceling the Keystone Pipeline, canceling gas leases, going from almost 15 million down to 11 million. Do you think we could use that extra two to four million barrels a day now of oil? Absolutely, we could. So, I find it interesting that when people say that the president doesn't affect gas prices, well, I think he absolutely does. And you should do your research to make sure that you're not being the ignorant run. Instead of calling out the people that actually know something, 
people actually do research and listen to the experts and talk with other people, that you're not the one being the ignorant fool on social media because you don't know what you're talking about. Now, the other thing I wanted to get to was the COVID vaccines. So ever since the war started, COVID is gone. Fauci is gone. Apparently, it's over. Mass mandates, everything coming down. It's, it started with the State of the Union address. Obviously, we're moving into political season, and so that's bad for Democrats because everybody has, uh, is over COVID. COVID fatigue, mask fatigue, and all that. So everything is pretty much done. Okay, You look on the CDC website, and cases are really down. So remember, we were told that vaccines were the way to go, right? And that's fine. And it's funny how people think that if you don't want to get the COVID vaccine, you're an anti-vaxxer. Well, it's about choice. And those that call us anti-vaxxers, you should know about choice because you're all pro-choice when it comes to reproduction. So you should be glad that people are pro-choice. But no, we're the evil people. Anyways, so vaccines were it. First of all, you get the vaccine. And if you get the vaccine, you're not going to get COVID. Remember? Remember this little ditty virus stops with every vaccinated person. A vaccinated person gets exposed to the virus. The virus does not infect them. The virus cannot then use that person to go anywhere else. It cannot use a vaccinated person as a host to go get more people. That means the vaccines will get us to the end of this. So everybody watching Rachel Maddow, Believe that. Well, that turned out to be false because all of a sudden we had breakthrough cases and more breakthrough cases and more breakthrough cases. And then we went from, if you get the vaccine, you're not going to get it to, yeah, you'll get it, but you're not going to end up in the hospital. Your symptoms aren't going to be as bad to, well, now you need a second dose and you need a booster on top of it. And it was more boosters to come. And then all of a sudden all that went away. Okay. So we had that. And then we also had this little ditty. Because, again, there's two things. One, there's misinformation, like coming from Rachel Maddow, where if you got the vaccine, it's done, and that wasn't true. We had breakthrough cases and so on and so forth. And then the whole thing was politicized, like this one. If the Trump administration approves a vaccine before or after the election, should Americans take it, and would you take it? If the public health professionals, if Dr. Fauci... If the doctors tell us that we should take it, I'll be the first in line to take it. Absolutely. But if Donald Trump tells us I should ta- that we should take it, I'm not taking it. So there you go. The last president said take it, and she didn't want to, but now medical experts say so she would because she was in office by the time all this got going. Because I think it was Fauci got his first vaccine just around Christmas time, 2020. It was a big event on television and everything. Biden got his and all that. But again, the whole thing became politicized from the get-go. So it was politicized, and there was a lot of misinformation. Now, the other thing, too, keep in mind that the vaccine was administered by the FDA under an emergency use. Now, the significance of that is, and you can ask medical professions, uh, professionals, and you can look for yourself, is that if there are no other remedies to treat something, then you can get an emergency uh, issue. If there are other things, then you can't. They're pushing the vaccine so much. That's why things like hydroxychloroquine, chloroquine, ivermectin, these other remedies that people were talking about, whether they work or not, it's another conversation, but they were talking about, were getting shut down and being censored immediately. Because if you had a different 
or an alternative method to try to combat COVID, you would never gotten the vaccine. And this was all about the vaccine, all about money, all about politics. And you can look back on that. So here, a guy by the name of doctor, by the name of Brian C. Jundep, wrote an article on March 7th entitled, What Happened to Safe and Effective? Talking about the vaccines. Okay, so the vaccines were developed in record time. One might say warp speed. A little humor in his writing. Obviously, that was Operation Warp Speed by President Trump in 2020. Now, when the vaccines came out, we were assured that they were safe and effective. People downplayed side effects. In August of 2021, Biden told us that after a strict process, the FDA has reaffirmed its findings and that the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine is safe and effective. And the FDA has given its full and final approval. Okay, the CDC said the same and confirmed just days ago that COVID-19 vaccines are safe and effective. Fauci received his first dose of Moderno a few days before Christmas 2020, and this rider also is vaccinated, fully vaccinated, two vaccines and a booster, I believe. According to ABC News, all this was going on on television, national television, to assure Americans that the vaccines were safe and effective. Okay, Now, medical institutions like John Hopkins, echoed Fauci and the CDC saying that the vaccines are strongly recommended. They're safe and effective for preventing serious illness or death from COVID. Okay, they changed the tune from not getting it to not getting seriously ill or dying. I'll get to those numbers in a minute. So how are vaccines developed? Again, a lot of people had many things to say about vaccines on social media. A lot of these MDs, these Twitter MDs, But according to the College of Physicians of Philadelphia, vaccines development is a long and complex process, lasting 10 to 15 years, involving a combination of public and private involvement. Johns Hoskins agrees that a typical vaccine, the timeline takes about 5 to 10 years, sometimes longer, to assess whether or not a vaccine is safe and its efficacy is good. And it starts with clinical trials, and it goes from there. It's, it's a stepwise process, they say. Each clinical trial phase follows a completion or follows the completion of a previous phase. And obviously, it could take a while for these clinical trials and things to take place. During a pandemic, obviously, the process is accelerated. Clinical trials might be combined. Steps might be going simultaneously, whatever. For COVID, The process was definitely accelerated. March 2020, COVID was a news item. Then it became a battering ram pounding the entire world, he writes. That's just nine months later. So nine months later, not five to ten years, Fauci, the writer, and many others received the first dose of vaccines. Okay, with me so far. Now, the mission of the FDA is to protect the public health by ensuring safety, efficacy, and security of human and veterinary drugs, biological products, and medical devices. And yes, I'm kind of reading it, but I want you to say that this is this dude's writing, not me. Okay, do your own research. So again, you have this process, 10 to 15 years, but sped up because of the pandemic, we're all fine with that. We want something. But how it was played out with these COVID vaccines is a little different, okay? And so again, you have to look at it from the perspective that it was Indeed, you know, warp speed, an accelerated process. And the decision, he writes here, should have been between you and your doctor based on your medical evidence. 
or your medical conditions or your medical history, etc. Okay, so now <clears throat> Yahoo Finance reporting that the FDA released under orders from a U.S. district judge 55,000 pages of clinical trial documents. These are the clinical trials. Remember, it takes 10 to 15 years, but now uh, we've expedited it. So these are the clinical trials. Okay, This isn't necessarily what's going on in the real world. These are just the clinical trials. Okay, And so uh, they had to release them on judges' orders. The FDA wanted to wait 75 years when we're all dead before they released the findings. So obviously that's a red flag. They're hiding something. So what did they hide? What was the FDA hiding from us about these clinical trials and the, um, the vaccine? Okay. So they noted 1,291 different adverse events post-vaccination, nine pages worth. Okay. So now obviously you have to, Kind of take that in check because, again, you're not really sure exactly what's going on, but this was submitted, and this is what was fought to be released. FDA did not want this information out there. Now, you had the FDA in their clinical trials, 1,291 different adverse post-vaccination events in their clinical trials. Now, the FDA, there's a, um, a website or a database, I guess you can say, the uh, V-A-E-R-S, which tracks vaccine-related adverse effects, okay? So from mid-December, now we're talking real world, from mid-December 2020 through February 18, 2022, this database, the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, received 1,134,984. So 1,135,000 reports of adverse events, including 24,000 deaths. So 24,000 people died from the vaccine. There were 4,000 cases of myocarditis and pericarditis, 2,500 cases associated with Pfizer and then some others with the other ones. There were sharp spikes, according to the Department of Defense. And again, you can look this up, find it for yourself. Sharp spikes in miscarriages, myocarditis, cancer diagnosis, Bell's palsy, female infertility post-vaccination. Yet this was deemed unnewsworthy, and the media's so-called fact-checkers were always trying to add context rather than encourage analysis and discussion. So again, the whole thing became political, and this information right here about vaccine efficacy, nobody cared about. Nobody cared about the mainstream media. And when you wrote about it or you talked about it, you were suppressed, you were fact-checked, you were censored, and then people, the so-called MDs of Twitter and social media, they would call you and say, you don't know what's up. We knew all along that there were going to be side effects. We knew all along there would be bad things going on because it takes 10 to 15 years for you to develop a vaccine and you're doing it in, what, 10 months, they said? Of course things are going to go wrong. But yet they didn't want to talk about it because this whole thing was political and it started with Kamala Harris saying that if Trump told her she wouldn't take it, but the medical experts did, well, that's politicizing it. Shutting down other types of medicine that could help. That's where we're at. The same thing going on with the gas prices. Same thing going on with this whole thing. They're picking and choosing what they want to give to you. And you scoop it up, hook, line, and sinker. So what else went on? Well, let's look at the UK, okay? So in the UK, the UK Health Security Agency confirmed that deaths were rising rising dramatically among triple vaccinated population, declining steadily among non-vaccinated population. 
Okay, so with most recent figures showing that the fully vaccinated accounted for nine in every 10 COVID deaths over the past month, and this report was just, no, this article was written March 7th, 2022, the triple vaccinated accounted for every four in every five deaths. And it goes on from there, talks about how many people got vaccinated and so forth. So efficacy starts to wane. Vaccine effectiveness estimated for booster doses are very similar. The UK government points out that you take a look at all this and you got to kind of judge in accordance to what's going on, but this is the information that's there. Okay. They say you can't have a knee jerk reaction to this. You got to take it in context a little bit, not context like fact checkers, but realize that this is what's going on and it's not normal because it wasn't 10 to 15 years in developing. Now, CDC director Rochelle Walensky last admitted that the CDC dropped the ball on honesty, saying the CDC misled the public about long-term effectiveness with too little caution and too much optimism. Nobody said waning, she goes on, about the vaccines. Nobody said waning when this vaccine is going to work. Maybe they should have been clear about that. And then it goes on from there. So you see that people who thought that the vaccines or didn't want to take them There's good reason for them. And yet you were forcing that upon us. One million, almost 1.2 million cases reported to that website. 24,000 deaths. And you want me to stick that in my arm? Are you nuts? There's a reason why I didn't want to take the vaccine. There's a reason why many people didn't want to take the vaccine. If you want to take it, that's great. That's fine. Hope you do well. I hope you're okay down the road because we don't know. Because we're starting to see all kinds of information coming out. But, of course, this is being covered up because we've got a war going on in Ukraine. And a lot of people don't want this information out there. It's being censored. And, again, going back through Twitter, remember earlier I said I was scrolling through Twitter because I had extra time and I'm never really on Twitter. I found this little nugget on Twitter, and I was, like, shocked that it was still sitting there. I was like, are you serious? This thing is still sitting there? Because it's been a couple days old and it pops up. Again, I don't understand the algorithms. That Something from like two days ago pops up today. Not specifically today, but when I was looking at it. I'm like, wow. Unbelievable. So the point being is that there was reason why we had skepticism. There was reason why we were concerned. Especially when you take a look at it. COVID deaths. Okay. In America, according to the CDC, 79 million cases when I checked today. 955,000 deaths, 0.01%. And even then, there's a lot of question as to who died with COVID versus who died of COVID. A lot of questions about that. So we really don't know how many people died specifically because of COVID. Now, we're not going to dismiss the fact that this was a deadly disease that affected people. We're not going to dismiss the fact that we needed to take measure to make sure But two weeks to flatten the curve turned out to two years, turned out to forced vaccinations. People lost their jobs because of it. People couldn't get the work because of it. You had to have passports and and show your vaccine status to get into places. For what? We don't even know now if you had the vaccine. Are you even, even, is that even protecting you now? We don't even know that. Nor does anybody care because we moved on to another news cycle. So the mask mandates, the social media, lockdowns, all this stuff gone because we have a war in the Ukraine. So businesses, 
ruined. Lives were ruined by COVID. We have mental health issues because of COVID. We have kids still wearing masks in school because of this nonsense. It's like, who created these rules and for what reason? For a virus that broke, for a virus that came out, coronavirus, that the beer company, Corona, had to send out a tweet and said, you do not get the disease from drinking Corona beer. That's how new this thing was. To all of a sudden, everybody was an expert. Everybody knew what was going on. Why didn't mask work? CDC, CNN, within the last couple months or at the end of their coverage, started to admit to that. Go look it up. I knew it wasn't working because I read a Stanford report and a Duke report early on, and they both said masks, the masks that we wear, the cloth masks, weren't working. Why weren't they working? Because when you sneeze, for example, let's say, the droplets are a certain size and they travel a certain distance. When you wear the mask, there's potential for the droplets to be cut in half. Smaller droplet sizes travel further. Makes sense to me. According to Duke and Stanford, go look it up. That was in 2020. So I was reading and following along from the beginning. And yet people were just taking their information from CNN, from MSNBC, Rachel Maddow. If you get the vaccine, it's over. COVID's done. You can't get it. Oops. Breakthrough. Another breakthrough. Another breakthrough. And then how many people? I think Whoopi Goldberg and others shocked that they got it because they masked up. Two masks, three masks got their vaccines, et cetera, social distance, all that, and yet they still got it because they believed in something that wasn't truth. They believed in the politics of it and not the truth of it. This whole thing would have been completely different if it wasn't for the politics of COVID. If we came out and adjusted and uh, addressed this issue as a health issue, a bipartisan health issue, We would not have any issues whatsoever. But it became a political thing to win an election. It became a political thing to have control over people and to change elections. And now all of a sudden it's election season. The Democrats are looking at a so-called red wave taking them over. People are done with mass mandates and vaccine mandates. And all of a sudden it goes away because, oh, guess what we have? Ukraine. How many of you knew or even know where Ukraine is right now? How many of you know anything about the Ukraine. We could go on and on about that. It goes back to 2014 when Russia invaded Crimea. It goes back to 1991, the fall of the Soviet Empire, about NATO and missiles and bases in the Ukraine, like in Poland. Maybe Vladimir Putin was locked down too much. But there's a lot of history to this, and all of a sudden everybody's putting up yellow and blue. That's fine. Support Ukraine, but realize that there is a deep history that goes beyond just the events that started from February 24th. There's a lot more to it. And if you continue to just read the headlines from mainstream media or look at on social media and believe what people are writing there, you're going to miss the boat like we do with gas prices. You're going to miss the the truth about vaccines. You're going to miss what is actually going on. And really with this Russia and Ukraine thing, there's a lot of stuff going on that we don't really know about. There's a lot of weird stuff. Why did the administration, why was Putin and Russia building up their troops and military 
back in March of 2021 and April of 2021. This buildup has been going on for about a year now. And then in January, is it Lloyd Austin, Secretary of Defense? Biden administration knew that Russia was going in. And then Biden started talking about it for weeks. Remember during the Olympics even, Russia hadn't gone in, but Biden said, they're going in, they're going in, they're going in. Why didn't you stop it? What's going on? There's more to this than meets the eye. And all of a sudden, everybody just jumps on a narrative. Remember, there's always three things to each story. Your side, their side, and the truth. You got to find that truth. You got to go beyond the headlines. You got to go beyond mainstream media, beyond Twitter, beyond social media. Those morons don't know what they're talking about. And then even if somebody does come and suggest something that is truthful, factual, gets shot down because you're not supporting Biden and his administration. This country is in a world of hurt right now. It's getting worse and worse. Why is Poland all of a sudden now leading the charge? They're going to send jets possibly into the Ukraine. Why are other countries leading the charge? Where's America? Superior, the, the superior America, exceptionalism, where's that gone? Unbelievable where we are today. This podcast is always about bringing out your inner greatness, raising the standard, taking your passion, making it happen. And when this country starts to dive, it's time for us to question the government. And people want to sit there and defend Biden to the end. We've got all kinds of issues going on, and now you're starting to see it because of gas prices. It's affecting you specifically. I see it because you guys bitch about it on social media, and you post those pictures of those high gas prices. That's just the start, people. I've seen people post things about, I bought groceries for $325 the other day. I used to spend $150 on groceries. It's happening. People are saying, hey, if Trump was in office, we'd have World War III. What do you think is going on right now? There's a lot of stuff going on right now, and you guys are blinded by your ideology. You guys are blinded because you want to fall on the sword for Biden, not question what he's doing. Just automatically assume that everything that him and his administration is doing is, like, perfect. Are you out of your flipping mind? You're part of the problem. It's time for you to wake up and realize that the very thing that you're trying to defend is the very thing that is destroying your country. Do you think that these high gas prices are intentional? Absolutely. We, Pete Buttigieg, you need an electric vehicle. Obama, 10 years ago, we need green energy, green energy, green energy. They haven't done anything in 10 years, but now all of a sudden, it's electric vehicles, not solar panels. You guys need to wake up. And for those of you spreading misinformation, don't question people with that sit there and question the government. That's a right. We have the right to do that. We have the right to question this government because they're not perfect. They don't know everything. They've got an agenda. They've got pockets to line. It's time we take this country back, that we have a government of the people, by the people, for the people, that this nation has a government, not the government has a nation. Would you go to war in the Ukraine if Biden sent you? No. There was a poll taken. I don't really know if I believe it or not, but it seemed to come from a credible source. That if America was invaded, Democrats would leave the country. The rest of us would stay and fight. I don't know how you prove that. But you know what? That's somewhat believable. It's time for us to wake up and take a look at where our country's going, what we're doing, what our politicians are doing, why they're lining their own pockets. They want more power. It's all about greed. 
We have politicians in office on both sides of the aisle that have been there 20, 30, 40 years. They've never fixed anything. If green energy was the answer, why didn't they start doing that 10 years ago? Because it's all about money and profits and to keep us divided so they can continue on their agenda. It's all about them. Do your own research. Look it up for yourself. And don't rely on people on social media to tell you what's up. Find the truth because the truth is out there. This is Two Steps Ed Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, and let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom. Find me on Instagram, the show page, TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast. My personal page is Edom Rocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S. The best place to uh, find everything, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, is RadioWarp.com, Radio W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. We go live every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern. And then we uh, replay the show on Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. Pacific, 1 a.m. Eastern for your night owls. You can also find it on Radio Warp uh, On Demand. It's free. Just go to RadioWarp.com and click on whether you want to watch the video or the listen to the audio. You can go to our SoundCloud and download the audio and take us with you on the go. You can also uh, find us anywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartMedia, wherever. Or you can just Google search TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, and we pop up. Or, hey, Surrey. Hey, Google, hey, Alexa, play TWO, Two Steps Head Podcast, and we pop up there too. Hey, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend, and until next time, God bless.